welcome everyone to the podcast. Uh, we call it From the Preacher's Study. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have our Bibles open. We're going to study uh, from, from the Scriptures tonight or t- today, when, whenever you're listening. And uh, we're going to go into Ephesians chapter 3 today and uh, uh, try to mine out the, the treasures of, of this particular passage. And so we're really glad that you're with us today. Hope that uh, our time together will be beneficial and encouraging in some way as uh, we kind of make it through the week uh, as we uh, kind of go from Lord's Day to Lord's Day. I mm-hmm. think, you know, through the, through the week, we need some encouragement sometimes and some inspiration. I hope Amen. we're able to fill that need. And so we're really glad that you're with us uh, uh, in, in this study. Uh, uh, Jason and Mark are with us again today, helping us out and making this possible. We appreciate their good work. And so Ephesians chapter 3, any, any words of introduction today, Kevin? Well, just picking up from the last study, there was so much emphasis on unity, and it's just such an important topic, and every one of us plays a role in that, and so we need to be careful that we endeavor to keep the unity and the bond of peace, and that implies it's going to be hard work, it's going to take a lot of effort, and so uh, I just think it's so important that we do that in our respective congregations, to be peacemakers, do the best we can uh, to keep the body unified, because ultimately... Uh, we're trying to save souls. And the division that sometimes erupts in congregations can really distract people from what they're supposed to be all about, which is winning souls for Jesus. And so let's be unified and go out there and do the work that God intends for us That's to do. That's right. Unity is spoken of so often mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Uh, it, that, that has to be an indication of its importance yes. and how much of a problem it can be. Jesus prays for unity. Yes, yes. In Romans 15, he right. encourages unity. Mm-hmm. We saw it in Ephesians. We right. see it in Galatians. We right. see it in Philippians. Yes. Over and over and over mm-hmm. again, Paul is encouraging the Christians to be unified. Amen. So it must have been a problem back then. I That's think it's right. just uh, sort of a result of human nature. Yes, it It'll is. always be a challenge for us. Right. And so, you know, being unified is, is super important. And Amen. we want to emphasize truth mm-hmm. and practicing truth and teaching truth. But we also want to emphasize unity in the body of Christ. Amen, brother. Thank you. We're going to go into chapter three today of, of Ephesians, shift gears a little bit and uh, talk about some new material. So let's just read a few verses. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. So we'll stop right there. Mm-hmm. A lot, lot to unpack in, in that right. particular passage. He speaks of the mystery here, mm-hmm. and he tells us what he means by that. Right. Verse 6, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. For so many years, the Jews were God's covenant people. Now, Gentiles could be part of that, but they would basically have to become Jews themselves and accept all the demands Mm -hmm. of the law of Moses and so forth. But in the new covenant, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. You can become a member of God's covenant as you are. If you're a Gentile, as a Gentile, Mm -hmm. obey the gospel of Christ, surrender to uh, Christ as the Lord and Savior, and you can become a, uh, a Christian, a member mm-hmm. of God's covenant. Again, that wasn't always the case, and that becomes clear. As 
sort of hinted at in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. among the prophets mm-hmm. especially. Right. New Testament writers will quote those passages in defense of their uh, preaching to the Gentiles, but it becomes very clear in the New, new Covenant. And Paul says that he's made a minister of that. And so mm-hmm. God has chosen him uh, to proclaim that mystery and to make that known mm-hmm. to all the people, that all people are eligible to be among God's children. And he calls this the stewardship of God's grace that was given to him. Now, Paul believed that this, this is God's gift to me, mm-hmm. to be able to share the gospel with people. And given his background and his experience before he became a Christian, <laughs> you can see why he just appreciates not only being saved, but now I have the opportunity to bring others yes, to Christ. Yes. Wow, what a blessing that is. Amen. And so as we go about preaching and teaching, whether it's you, you and me mm-hmm. or just people out there trying to talk to their friends and neighbors, look, this, this is a blessing for it us is. to be able to bring to someone to a knowledge of Christ. Amen. Now, one of the things, and one of the things I wanted to focus on in mm-hmm. our, our time here is that Paul received the information that he taught, the gospel he taught, Mm -hmm. from the Spirit. And so you see that in verse 5, that these things are revealed to him by the Spirit. And so this is not Paul's judgment. It's not Paul's opinion about what, what should be done or who should hear the gospel. Paul gets his information by the Spirit. And so again, verse 3, by revelation, Mm -hmm. there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. And so the Holy Spirit is revealing it to Paul. Paul is writing it down and then others can read it Uh and then they can understand what the Spirit has received to Paul. One of the things we draw from that is that what Paul writes is given to him by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's revealed to him by the Spirit. And so Another word for that is it, Paul is inspired by God to write these things. Again, this is not just Paul's opinion. It's not his judgment. It's not, uh, you know, I don't think it's fair that the Gentiles haven't heard. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, it's, that's not it. It's God's directing him. He's giving him the message. He's revealing it to him. And so he preaches God's word. A good passage uh, to support that is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. All Scripture is inspired by God, is God-breathed, and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. But, and that particular passage, I think, is, is well known and, and used yes. extensively. But can you think of other passages that might uh, speak to the inspiration of the Scriptures? Yeah, I like Second Peter uh, chapter 1 and verses 19 through 21. Uh, he says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of God, or will of man, I'm sorry, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, uh, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, maybe the better interpretation, private origin. It didn't come from man themselves but it came from men being moved by the Spirit of God. That's a great way of uh, defining inspiration. Men were moved by the Spirit of God to write the things that they wrote. And therefore, they're not the words of the Apostle Paul or the words of Peter or Luke or Matthew, but these are the words that God wanted revealed using these men as free, willing participants 
but as vehicles to get that word out there. But I like the point that it didn't come by the will of man. It was by the holy men of God spoke when they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Another passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's right. Yeah. Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, mm -hmm. but in those taught by the spirit, combining mm -hmm. spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. That's right. And so on multiple occasions in Paul's writings, you noted Peter's mm -hmm. comment there as well, uh, in, on multiple occasions that affirmation is made that what we're writing, what we're preaching is revealed to us by God. What we're writing is revealed to us by God. We are being moved and directed by the Spirit uh, to, to this work. Jesus promised in John 16 mm -hmm. that the Spirit would guide them mm -hmm. into all the truth. That's and right. this, is, this is that, you know, uh, this is just another way of saying that we are being led by the Spirit to write the things that we're writing. And that's so much the case that if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 <laughs> and yes. verse 13, yeah. Paul says this, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, yeah, which go. also performs its work in you who believe. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll come across somebody who'll say, well, you know, I, 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 I'm all good with what Jesus taught, but Paul, <laughs> I'm not quite so sure. And it's as if they think that, you know, Paul's a, a man, maybe insightful and perceptive in some ways, but right. we're at liberty to accept it or reject it yep. uh, according to our own uh, evaluation. Mm -hmm. But Paul says, what I'm telling you is the Word of God. Absolutely. It's been revealed to me. And it's just as much the Word of God Absolutely. as we find uh, when, when Jesus Absolutely. speaks, the words of Jesus recorded for us by mm -hmm. men, mm -hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. And so what, what are some of the implications of that, of the, the Scriptures being the Word of God? Well, it means that they are timeless, and they're not going to be subject to cultural revision. Uh, there's no need for cultural editing because the true author is not these men who are time-bound and they have certain cultures and they have certain fallacies and certain fallibilities, but when you have this infallible God who is directing the message, who's inspired the message, then all the things that we normally use to criticize men, well, you know, he's a product of his time or he's a product of his education or he, he was grew up in a provincial background, he just doesn't know the world. None of those criticisms can apply to God's Word because you're dealing with the Word of a transcendent God who's not bound in a particular culture or a particular place and particular time, transcends time. So the words that are said are timeless. And they're true here. They're true over in Mozambique. They're true in China. They're true in Australia. And they're true now. They were true a thousand years ago. They'll be true if the world is still here 2,000 years from now. So these things are timeless. And a lot of people miss that. They think, well, these guys didn't know the world that this would develop into. They don't know technology. And they don't know the things we know now. Well, are you saying the God in heaven who created everything doesn't know and understand the things that we've developed? Of course not. So when uh, I, I'll give you an example. I remember there was a lady uh, in my school when I was uh, going to school who uh, took issue with some of the teaching of the Apostle Paul, as she would phrase it in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. And she said, I take issue with the Apostle Paul, not knowing that she doesn't take issue with the Apostle Paul. She takes issue with the God who inspired the Apostle Paul to write Ephesians 5, 22, 33. So that's the implication is that you're dealing with a transcendent God who's given instruction that transcends time, culture, place, and, and the limitations of the physical vessels that were used to inspire the Word. So a cultural practice, a first century Greco-Roman practice, might might uh, in some way help us to understand sure. 
what's being said, but what's being said right. is transcendent. That's the right. truth that's being taught is transcendent. That's I mean, right. it, it, God's word transcends time and place, Absolutely. just as God tr- transcends time and place. Amen. God's word is authoritative, yes. just as God is authoritative. Mm-hmm. And so God's word is authoritative as well. And so, you know, Jesus taught, you know, the scripture cannot be mm-hmm. broken. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's binding. It's It can't be disregarded. It can't be set aside. And so the scripture is authoritative, just as God's word is authoritative. Amen. And so if all scripture is inspired by God, well, then all scripture has the authority of God right. behind it. Um, what the scriptures say is true. Mm-hmm. If it's God's word, mm-hmm. it's true. Jesus prayed in John 17, mm-hmm. verse 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Is truth. Yeah. And so God cannot lie. Right. And God is not going to misinform and God's not going to be mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so what the scriptures say is true. Amen. So that if you look at Romans chapter 4 is a good illustration of a point I'm going to make. Uh, yeah. In Romans chapter 4, Paul is uh, you know, discussing the question of justification. Uh, is it by works or is it by faith? What, and so how does he settle that, that mm-hmm. issue? Mm-hmm. Well, Romans chapter 4, he says, uh, Abraham was justified by works. If Abraham is justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Mm-hmm. Now, that'll settle the mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. on it. If we can determine what the Scriptures say, right. well, then that'll settle the question. And it goes on to quote Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God. Mm-hmm. That's faith. Mm-hmm. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him for righteousness. And so if it's God's Word, it's authoritative. Yeah. It's truth. It settles the issue. You know, right. whatever the Amen. religious question is, if we can find an answer in Scripture, it'll settle that. You know, that reminds me of the Bereans, Acts 17, 11. When Paul came preaching the gospel, what did they do? It said that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness, searching the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So they had a standard, as you said. They understood that the Old Testament scriptures were inspired, and they were using that as a litmus test to say, okay, let's see what Paul has to say, and then let's take what Paul has to say and line it up with the word. Now, if it's consistent with the word, it's true. If it's inconsistent, it's to be rejected. And so they understood that when you have something inspired, it's the arbiter of truth. It determines truth, and everything else has got to line up with it, or it's going to falter as being error. So when Jesus is tempted, Matthew chapter mm-hmm. 4, Jesus is tempted three times. Uh, Satan comes to him and tempts him to ter- turn stones to bread, uh, to uh, cast himself from the pinnacle of the temple, fall down and worship him. How, how does Jesus answer? How, how does he begin his response? In each it day? is written. That's right. And that settles it. <laughs> right. It's right. written. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we want to commit to something. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we're buying a car, we want that car salesman to commit yes. to the promise that he's made. What do we demand? Get it in writing. I want to get it in writing. <laughs> if it's in writing, right. it, you've made a commitment. That's right. And so in the word, it's in writing. Mm-hmm. It is written. Right. And so that gives weight and authority to uh, what, what is said. Amen. Uh, it, Amen. And so um, the scripture is inspired by God. It's God's word. It's authoritative. It's truth. It, uh, it settles the issue, Amen. whether it's in our personal life and our personal conduct or some controversy, doctrinal controversy that's going on. Mm-hmm. If we can turn and say, the scripture says this. That's right. That's just that's, that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We, we want to found what we do and what we practice and what we teach. On, this is what the scriptures say. Amen. And if we can do that, we know we're on solid ground. Amen. All right. 
Well, we appreciate everybody joining us today. Hope that we've uh, had some encouraging things to say and maybe some things to think about. We think about the Word of God and the authority of Scripture mm -hmm. and how that affects our lives. As we close today, we're going to ask Kevin to lead sure. us in a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had to study your Word. We've just talked about what a blessing it is to have your inspired Word. We understand that because of its inspiration, it is authoritative, it is timeless, it transcends the limitations of culture and time and space, and, and we just hope that we live our lives in such a way that we show uh, that it is truly inspired. It's not something for us, as we do with so many other books, to read and pick and choose and decide what we want to abide by and what we think is valuable and what is not, uh, choosing what to keep and what to discard. That cannot be done with your word because, as we read, all Scripture is inspired. Everything you had to say and it has been written down uh, is of worth, is of value, is profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And let us show that in our lives. Let us follow the example of your Son, who invoked the power of the Word to fortify His will against the temptations of the devil. And we likewise can invoke the power of the Word if we spend more time in the Word, uh, studying the Word, meditating upon the Word, reflecting upon it, so that we can call it to mind when confronted with the devil in so many different aspects of our lives, how much more powerful it is for us to think it is written and remember certain passages that deal with the temptation that may be presented to us. So very thankful that you revealed to us your mind through the Word, and thankful that we can uh, be immersed in it, we can think about it, we can meditate upon it, we can grow mighty in it, and please help us not to take that for granted. Please help us to feed our souls and feast uh, regularly upon the truths that are contained in your Word. Thank you for this Bible study that we have, this podcast, and the ability to reach so many souls. We ask that you would bless all the hearers, all those who have tuned in, who have taken time out of their schedule uh, to listen to your word being taught from the book of Ephesians. And again, we are confident, as always, that if they have done so, much good will be done in their lives, provided they have the good and the honest heart that receives the things that are being taught. As you continue to be with us and bless us, across one night we pray. Amen.